0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we come to worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we always read the Gospel to hear what our Lord Jesus Christ has to say to us the God-man whose words bring us salvation, enlightenment, understanding, not only of God, but who we are and what we are to do. And this morning, as most Sunday mornings, and our Lord speaks, there is a great challenge. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? If you lend to those whom you hope to get something back, what credit is that to you? For you know what? Everybody else does that too. (laughs) There is in our Lord's questions He's exposing what is rather normative, natural. Who doesn't love those who love them? Who does not do good to those who do good to them? Who does not lend when you know that there's a percentage rate attached to that and you're going to get something back and maybe a little bit more? That's good business, right? This is natural. This is normal. This is rational, reasonable. But as I say that, let's step back and be really honest here. (laughs) Even that natural, normal thing that we all see put before us as a good. I mean, what television show that's about family does not celebrate family, love, reconciliation, understanding, right? That is everywhere. We all understand. This is good. This is right. But... (laughs) To love those who love you is pretty hard. To do good to those who do good to you actually is kind of hard. To lend and hoping to receive back, there's actually, it's actually kind of a little bit hard. But our Lord takes it a step further. He tells his disciples, love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. I've always when I have heard this from our Lord I've always heard love your enemies comma like break do good comma break and lend hoping for nothing in return and talking with somebody this past week uh, he brought to my attention he's saying love your enemies do good to your enemies and I got that lend to your enemies hoping for nothing In return, the Lord has taken what we all can agree, natural, normative, reasonable, and he has taken it to a place that isn't really reasonable. You're not going to put a bet on this. Loving your enemies, doing good, lending, hoping for nothing in return. It's kind of the opposite of good business. Loving, doing good, and lending to our enemies. This is, as our Lord says, this is the path. This is the path to becoming the sons of the Most High. It is the path to becoming the sons of the Most High because the Most High, God, He is the one who loves His enemies. He is the one who does good to His enemies. He is the one who is lent, hoping for nothing in return. He is kind to the unthankful, to the evil. This is part and parcel of the good news of the gospel. That we are called to become like God. To rise above what is natural, normal, reasonable, And kind of step out into what seems to be irrational, maybe absurd, not necessarily a good business move. For life in the kingdom, as our Lord preaches, teaches, embodies, is a step above the world. This is the path of the followers of Jesus Christ. Now, the challenge of Jesus Christ, what he has set out before us, is not something uh, that you can get from the self-help aisle at Barnes & Noble. It's not a path to self-realization. You are not going to manifest goodness to your enemies and lending without expecting anything, if you understand the language that I'm even using. This is not some philosophy This is not, I'm going to call it, meme therapy. (laughs) What I mean by meme therapy is there's all these little snazzy commentary that exists now out there. Things like, if you're surrounded by people you don't need to have around you, you can just change all the people around you. You need to pursue what is out there for you. If there's folks blocking your self-realization... You know, if divorce is going to help you self-realize and able to love yourself better, you should do that because, you know, treat yourself. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're here to do. That is not the path message of Jesus Christ because that is not God. Can you imagine a God like that? I don't really want you guys. You're in the path of my self-realization. Move out of the way. Why? (laughs) Joseph is in the why stage right now. Great question. Why? Because, Joseph, I didn't plan this, but this is going to work. Okay. We have before us St. Dionysius, the Areopagite. You're wondering, is Father actually going to bring Dionysius into a sermon? If you're familiar with Dionysius at all, you're maybe scratching your head. Why? Why? Why is God not like that? Well, first let me share from what we heard from the epistle. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Dionysius, the Areopagite is a great theologian of the church. He helped explicate what it means to talk about God as the creator, as the one who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Because for Dionysius, God is not just a thing in the universe, right? Uh, Maybe you have this in your head, and I had it when I was a kid, and at some point I had to deconstruct it through the help of the fathers, especially Dionysius and some of the Cappadocian fathers. God is not a bearded dude up in the sky sitting on a throne, right? He is not the greatest, biggest thing in the universe. God is beyond that. God is everywhere present and filling all things, but he's not a substance. He's not something uh, that's just power. He is love. He is Beyond existence, you think of everything that exists, being, everything that we can touch, everything we can understand, and God exists beyond that. God created everything, brought light into the darkness because of love. Because God himself, as we see in the face of Jesus Christ, loves his enemies, does good to those who do not And he lends, he gives everything, existence itself, to us. And we bear the weight of that responsibility of freedom. That he's going to love us, he's going to do good, as the gospel also tells us, as our Lord tells us. He makes rain to fall on the good and the evil. And the entire reason for our existence especially as we see in why Jesus Christ came to be among us, to teach us, to teach us, especially not only in his words, where we encounter God himself in his words, but in his very body, in his life, in his life-giving death, his resurrection, his ascension, and sitting at the right hand of God the Father, so that he could send the Holy Spirit to make us sons of, and daughters of the Most High. We are to become like God. That is why we exist. Unfortunately, because of our freedom, because of all those around us and their freedom, we exist like the apostles. We exist like Jesus Christ in following him, that we will be misunderstood That we will have enemies by the sheer fact of following Jesus Christ. That there will be those who might do evil to us. And there are those that we are going to have the opportunity to give, to lend, and to expect absolutely nothing back. And the only way that we can do this to get beyond what is normal, what is natural, what is reasonable... It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is because as the apostles, as Paul and his his letter to the Corinthians that we read this morning, that we, like the apostles, carry about in the body, our bodies, the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The life of Jesus Christ that we are to live is not the one of self-realization unless you define self-realization in a completely different way than what is floating out there. The self-realization of a Christian is the realization of being a child of God, made in the image and likeness of God, but specifically the image and likeness of our Lord crucified, that we carry about in our bodies. Paul is adamant. He repeats this multiple times. In our body, that the life of Jesus is manifested in our body, that we are delivered to death, that we can manifest in our mortal flesh. What could we offer but everything? To love our enemies, even though everything within us screams for justice, for them to get their comeuppance, to, good, to do good with our bodies, not just our minds, like I'm going to send good, nice thoughts, but like actually doing good. And then maybe where our Lord kind of really puts it before us to give of our money or of our things knowing that it is now sacrificed and we are not going to receive anything back from that sacrifice. This is death working in us, as Paul says. But it is life in you. If we are to be like God, to be like the sons of the Most High... Each and every one of us takes up our cross. We carry about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus for the sake of those around us. The death working in us as the death worked in our Lord was for the life of the world. We cannot do this apostolic ministry, this death working within us, without God becoming everything for us this is what faith in jesus means this is what faith in god means that we despite everything that's before us the cross the slander the betrayal the rejection believe in a god who brings life who resurrects for the wisdom of the world might is right get ahead protect yourself at all costs The desires of our flesh tell us to preserve ourselves, to meet our own desires. And when we look at what it is to follow Jesus Christ, we realize how absurd, how scary, how much it is to follow our Lord. There is an image that Dionysius, Saint Dionysius, uses as he talks about the illuminating, sanctifying, deifying. Sacraments of the church and as he speaks about one who comes to become a catechumen is brought before For him. He's talking about a bishop here or a priest for us He talks about those who are desiring and following Jesus and want to follow him within the life of the church He says the one who comes forward is fired by love of transcendent reality and longs for a sacred share of it They first come to be initiated into the church. And as the prayers of the catechumenate are prayed over this inquirer, this one seeking the transcendent, God himself, he comes before the priest filled with the love of God, and he repudiates his ungodliness, his lack of knowledge of the truly beautiful. The absence within himself of a God-possessed life. The bishop then teaches him the God-possessed life and asks him if he wishes to live in this way. And when they reply yes, he places his hand upon his head and marks him with the sign of the cross. We need love of the truly beautiful. Our Lord crucified... We need to confess that we are not God-possessed. That we need the sign of the cross made over our lives so that we can carry within our bodies the dying of our Lord. So that as we conform ourselves to his death, as Paul tells us in Romans, we will in the same way be raised. And this isn't just for us in being like God This is the path to goodness for the entire world. The death that we die, the death working in us, is life for everyone around us. That we know that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. And he will present us with all of those who have sanctified, become possessed by God, To the glory of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.